Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 20 on how Abraham was to pray for King Abimelech to find eternal life in God and how when he found it, a true sign he believed was that he told others. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find it available at itunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, we have several teachings to offer you at the Friendship with God radio program as our resource of the month. Tom Cantor is our amazing Bible teacher, and we have some pocket-sized tracts and teachings from Tom Cantor to help you grow in your faith and prayers and your witness for the Lord. Now, these resources we are offering are entitled, How a Jew Came to Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53, How to Pray for the Lost, How to Pray for the Saints, and What Kind of Love is God's Love. These written resources from Tom Cantor will teach you valuable and simple Christian lessons. Tom Cantor himself talks about how the story of a Japanese boy helped him to understand the meaning of Isaiah 53 and how a Jew learned the meaning of Isaiah 53. Now, Tom will also teach you how to pray for your lost friend and how to pray for your friend in the faith with his teaching on how to pray for the lost and how to pray for the saints. Now, finally, Tom will show you in a Bible track how God's love is honest, giving, inviting, patient, but also a love that can be rejected. But it's also a love from God that you can pass along to a person you know with a Bible track from Tom Cantor called What Kind of Love is God's Love? All of these teaching resources are yours for a donation of $10 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, which will help to support this program staying on this station that you're listening to now. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Call us to get all of these teaching resources from Tom Cantor as your resource of the month for a donation of $10 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 20 how Abraham was to pray for King Abimelech to find eternal life in God, and how when Abimelech found it, a sign that he truly believed was that he told others. So Aaron became the speaker for Moses. And that was the relationship between Moses and Aaron. See, when Moses wanted to speak, must have been quite a sight. When he wanted to speak, he would say, Now, Aaron, you tell Pharaoh this, you know. And then, and then Aaron would speak. For Moses, and that was the relationship. And so that relationship is described in Exodus 7:1, where it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. See, God, God was saying to Moses, Now look, and that picture there, where you say something to Aaron, then Aaron speaks either to Pharaoh or to the children of Israel. That, that picture there is like you know, when you're with Pharaoh, that, that your God. And Aaron's a prophet. See, he's the one speaking for me. And so, in other words, when Moses would speak to Pharaoh, Moses would speak to Aaron, and Aaron would speak to Pharaoh. And that relationship that God said was Moses was like the, was God and Aaron the prophet. In other words, Moses was speaking through Aaron, and Aaron spoke for Moses. And so, God speaks through a prophet, and a prophet speaks for God. So what God is saying to Abimelech here was that God was speaking through Abraham and Abraham was speaking for God. See, God was showing, he was telling Abimelech this. He said, look, you need to learn about God from Abraham. 
I'm going to speak from Abraham. That's a picture of how God wants us to be in the world that we are around lost people. We're like Abraham, and we should view our job as bringing the knowledge of God to the lost. So as prophets like Abraham, we speak for God, and God speaks through us. And that's what the Jewish people will be someday in the future, as hard as it is to imagine, but it's given to us in Zechariah 8.23, where it describes this scene, where we can hardly imagine it, where it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all the languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We'll go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. See, in that coming day, Gentiles are going to come to the Jew and say, Tell us about God the Lord Jesus Christ. Take us to him, lead us to him. And then they'll fulfill their mission as prophets when they do that. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's who we are today. We are God's prophets today. We do that. And as prophets, what should our subject be? What what should our subject be to the lost? It's very interesting. If you like to turn to it, it's in Romans 10, 9, that very famous verse, Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine. (laughs) Romans 10, 9, and uh, shines in, uh, okay, golden letters shine, Romans 10 and 9. Okay, Romans 10 and 9. It says that, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, who? The Lord Jesus. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath what? Raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth, what? On him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in, in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Okay, now, what should be, as, uh, as we as God's prophets, what should be our topic, our subject? What should we be talking about? What should the preacher be preaching about? That's the emphasis when I was stopping those verses I was reading, and you said the words, it's the, it, in verse 9, confess with thy mouth the subject, the Lord Jesus. In verse 9, it's believed that God raised him as the subject from the dead. Verse 10, whosoever believeth on him is the subject. Verse 12, who reach unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 14, call on him. Verse 14, believe in him. The subject is him. The subject is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Abraham would speak to Abimelech about, God. Abraham didn't know God by his name of the Lord Jesus Christ at that time, but it was the same person. And so we see now in verse 7 that Abraham was not only responsible to be the prophet and speak about him, but he had another responsibility, which is not the job of a prophet, and that's dead, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. So what we see here is that Abraham had two responsibilities, speak and pray. Speak and pray. That's our responsibilities. It's that this fell back to Abraham. Abraham was expected by God to pray for Abimelech so that Abimelech could live. And that's what God's all about, live, life. 
And this shows that God wanted Abraham to pray for the life of Abimelech. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. Pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. It's not a sin to pray for the lost. It's not wrong to pray for the lost. It's our responsibility to pray for the lost. And that should be the focus of our prayer. For the lost, we should pray that they will come to life through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was saying in Romans 9, 1 through 3, when he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness, a continual sorrow right here in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ, from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. No Christian can say that he's telling the truth in Christ unless he has a great heaviness and a continual burden in his heart for his family members who are lost, that they should come to life through the Lord Jesus Christ. His friends that are lost, work or wherever, that they should come to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. His neighbors that are lost, that they should come to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said in the next chapter exactly what this great heaviness and continual sorrow was in his heart when he said in Romans 10:1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's it. Paul's desire and prayer to God for the Jewish simply or the Jewish people was just they might be saved. Saved from what? Saved from being lost from God. Saved from the judgment of their sins. Saved from the power of Satan. Saved from hell. Saved from death. Saved to life. Then there's no question in Paul's mind what he was praying for for the lost. He was praying for the lost to live. And there's no question what Abraham was to pray for, for Abimelech. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And Abraham was to pray for Abimelech to find life, eternal life, in God. Now, we read in verse 8 of Abimelech's decision. And it says, Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Now, this is, there's something in the way that a person responds to God that really shows the level of their seriousness with God. And so we see Abimelech, first he's got it. And Abimelech, it says that he rose early in the morning. He was on a mission to obey God. It reminds us of Abraham when he was told to sacrifice Isaac in Genesis, in two chapters later, Genesis 22, 3, it says Abraham rose up Early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. See, Abraham rose early in the morning. God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, your son, whom you love. I know you love him. And there's no hesitation on Abraham's part here. He's determined to follow through with God in his obedience. He doesn't tell anyone what God's told him to do. Instead, Abraham gets up early in the morning. And by getting up early in the morning, Abraham is saying, there's not going to be anything that's going to drag me down. There's not going to be anything that's going to make me procrastinate. There's not going to be anything that's going to stand in my way. I'm going through with God. I'm going to follow God. And that very important detail in that verse that Abraham rose early in the morning is the same important detail that's plugged into this verse because it shows the same willingness to obey God. There's a challenge for us, and we need to be 
early in the morning Christians, in the sense that we have this spirit that we're, nothing's going to get in our way, whenever, wherever, at what a cost, at any cost, I'm going to follow God. And so God loves to see this early in the morning spirit, this response that Abimelech had. Now, more details, more significant details are told to us in what Abimelech did when he got up early in the morning. It says, therefore, Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all those things in their ears, and the men were so afraid. So here we see Abimelech, he didn't wait till his servants just woke up. (laughs) I know they get up around 7 o'clock, so I'll wait till they show up for work at 8, and then I'll tell them what it is. No, no, no. He he got them up. He, He gets up, they get up. All of them get up early in the morning, and twice this word all is used in this, in this verse. It's very important. First, we see Abimelech calls all his servants, not just some, but every last one of them, from the lowest, the janitor, you know, to the one who prepared the food, all of them. And then we read that Abimelech told all these servants all these things. He didn't edit it. He didn't paraphrase it. He just told everything to his servants. It was very, very embarrassing for Abimelech. It was humiliating for him. He's going to tell all his servants that God has pronounced him to be a dead man because he's he's committed this great sin. And because of his sin, he not only endangered his life, but he endangered their lives as well and his people. And so when it says that he told all his servants, it means that that he told, all, he told them all of them without any edit. It reminds me of a time in, uh, in 2006 when we had just moved into our new building in Takati and we gathered about 200 uh, assemblers together and, and, and we had a little dedication ceremony just among our people there, our assemblers. And so, you know, we prayed. I think we had some fruit to eat or something like that. And we were all standing there because we didn't have any chairs. And, uh, and it was my turn to speak. And so, in speaking, I spoke about dedication, the subject of dedication, and I told all the people how I dedicated my life to the Lord Jesus Christ in, in how I was saved. And I gave my, I told them how I was driven by sin, by my sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I finished, something very unusual happened because what happened was no one clapped. You know, they always clapped after I say something. I mean, not that I want the claps, but, I, you know, it's just like, okay, expect the claps about, but nobody claps. And so now I worried, you know, and I said, well, I wonder if I said something wrong. Maybe I said something offensive to Mexican culture, which is very easy to do. I didn't know. So anyway, so I asked Diana, who was doing the translation for me, I said, did I say something wrong? Because nobody clapped. And Diana told me, she said, they they didn't clap because they've never heard a company president say he was a sinner. (laughs) So I said, okay. (laughs) So when the word all is used here in verse 8, he called all his servants and told all these things. Abimelech didn't hold back from telling all his servants all the history about how he was a great sinner. And, and when he was finished, nobody clapped. I'm sure nobody clapped. <laughs> and that's why, that, that's why the, the two uses of the word all in verse 8 are, very, are so important. And that they express Abimelech's willingness to humble himself. And unless a person is willing to humble himself under the mighty hand of God before others, there's no going forward with God. There's no going forward with God without humility. That's what he means when he says in James 4, 6, that he gives more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And in 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, because God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. 
And then it says in Proverbs 18.2, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So that's the same as pride goes before fall. And Isaiah 57.15, God describes who he loves to spend time with. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So when Abimelech tells all his servants all the history of the Abimelech was validating that he was serious with God. And that's the kind of validation that God likes to see to prove to, that a person is really serious with him. That's why it's so important for a new believer to tell others, tell everyone that he's become a Christian. And that's why it means what it says, what we already covered in Romans 10.9, when he said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart, God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Secret belief is not serious belief. And therefore, the Bible says that a person must not only believe in his heart, but that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, but he has to confess with his mouth one simple truth in order to be saved. One simple truth. And when it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, may not quite get what that's meaning. So it's, it's good to rephrase it a little bit and to state it like this. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, or if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is God. That's the creed. That was the creed of the early church. The early church creed was very simple. It was four words. Jesus Christ is Lord. That was their creed. Jesus Christ is God. That was their creed. And that's the confession that's necessary to be saved. To confess with the mouth that Jesus is God. A church can be evaluated on this point. Do they believe that Jesus is God? Churches may have the name of Christ in their very title, like the Church of Jesus Christ or Iglesia Ne Cristo, and not believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. And so just as Abimelech told all his servants all those things, so it is with the believer. He must confess to all that he now believes that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. There were some in England in history when, when a man became a Christian that he went to the county registrar's office and asked to be registered as a dead man <laughs> because they said, you know, he died with Christ. Well, that was a way of telling everyone, I'm a Christian now. Do whatever you want with me. I'm a believer. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for this spirit of Abimelech, this open confession to all. He knows there's going to be consequences. God knows there's going to be consequences, especially among the Jewish family. And that's why in Matthew 10, 32-36, this context is so important. Because he said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him, that individual, will I confess also before my Father in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him, that person, will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not, see, same thought now, but just keep on the thought. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, but a sword. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of their own household. He knows that there's going to be negative consequences, especially for the Jewish family, after they confess that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. 
And so he says, you're going to find your, in your home, that's where your enemies are going to be. You're going to find there's a sword there, and there's not peace anymore. That simple confession that the Lord Jesus Christ is God puts odds, man against father, daughter against mother. If a person confesses that, he says, you'll find out your, your, your greatest enemies are in your own family. Again, that's the part that hurts the most from confessing the Lord Jesus Christ to see your own family. That's why he said the word, his own household, own household. And we have to remember here that he's speaking to Jewish people. So the natural question when a person is considering these costs of confessing the Lord Jesus Christ as God is that it's a heavy cost. And the natural question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it really worth losing my own family by confessing that the Lord Jesus is God? And that's why he said that, that what the Lord Jesus Christ would do for that individual person, and he says, him that does that, I'll confess him before God the Father. And if you don't do it, I'll deny him before God the Father. Is it worth it? Yes. The reward of having the name confessed before God the Father is worth it. So it all comes down to a person's individual struggle with making this individual decision. Confess or deny. Confess or deny. And that's why he knows this individual part of it, the struggle. So that's why he said, whosoever, him, whosoever, him. Now, we see that in, in the scripture that some believed, but they chose not to confess openly. And that was the chief rulers of the Jewish people in John 12, 42-43, where it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Those chief rulers did not want to be thrown out of the synagogue. So even though they believed, they didn't confess with their mouth. And that's the way it was with the parents of the blind man in John 9, where it says in John 9, 19, and they asked them, the parents, saying, is this your son, whom you say that was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that he's our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth? We know not. And who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He's of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed, had agreed already, that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. See, those parents didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue. And even though they believed, they didn't confess. But not Abimelech. He not only believed, he confessed, all right, to all of his servants, everything that he'd seen. And his confession was that he was a great sinner. And he made sure they all knew what he was talking about. Because he says that in verse 8, it doesn't just say he came and told all these things. There's a little phrase in there, Ozen, that says he, he told them in their ears. You know, you know, he came on strong. You know, he didn't say, right, can you hear me? You know, I'm speaking right into your ears. You know, he was in their faces. And that was very definite. The effect was very definite in verse 8 because it says they were sore afraid. They were frightened. Meod, they were really afraid. They were frightened by all this. And so now in verse 9 through 10, Abimelech turns from his servants now to Abraham, and he asked Abraham these questions. Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done? What have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds that to me ought not to be done. Abimelech said to Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done these things? See, these three what's 
are like nailing Abraham to the wall. What, what, what? He's saying, yeah, I can tell you, you don't want to be, you wouldn't want to be one of my sons and have my wife do an interrogation. <laughs> exactly what happened, because she'll get down to the bottom of it. And Abimelech was going to get down to the bottom of it as well. And so here we see Abimelech asking Abraham a series in rapid fire, just like that. What, what, what? What hast thou done unto us? What did you do? What did you do to us? What have I offended you? What's the reason you did this? How did I wrong you so much that you've done this to to my people? And we can see Abraham, you know, this is a tough time for Abraham. He's standing there confused. He's standing there self-condemned. And he's standing there speechless. He doesn't know what to say. And so Abraham, he doesn't know what to answer. And so Abraham just stands there speechless. And, you know, because because Abimelech is saying, what, what, what? And so then Abimelech goes ahead and answers for Abraham. And he says, Abimelech's first question is, what hast thou done to us? Abimelech, in verse 9, says, I'll tell you what you've done to us. Thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. That's what you did. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. You can find Tom Cantor on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God, or Israel Restoration Ministries. There you can receive a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, just a small verse and small commentary. You can also sign up for that daily devotional verse to come to your email or phone by going to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. While you're there, there's lots of free resources as well as our online bookstore with lots of creation resources and teachings from Tom Cantor available at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up online to send a free gift, a gospel gift, to a lost Jewish person. By going to friendshipwithgod.org and filling out the online form, you can send a gift to a lost Jewish person that you know so that they might be saved. To support the Friendship with God radio program and evangelical outreach ministries that we have, you can call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 or again, friendshipwithgod.org.